0: So it's been a month since I have talked to you about the book of Revelation. Before I get into that, let me just read uh, something to you. This is it's called the Kiplinger Letter. Let me uh, focus this. It's uh, called the Kiplinger Letter. It comes out of Washington, D.C. And uh, I mentioned mentioned a lot of times it's a, it's a uh, forecast for things for executives and investors and so forth. And uh, so I want to read this to you. It says, dear client, a severe global recession is unfolding. It'll be worse than the great recession, which at the time was the most painful downturn that the world had experienced in many decades. Now, this is not a religious paper here. This is strictly uh, uh, business and uh, so forth. Comes out of D.C. for those reasons. Says this recession won't be like the last one. Countries are in trouble. The big developed nations face steep drops. In Europe, France, Italy, and Spain are in for deep downturns. Japan will have a wretching recession worse than in the U.S. This is what they are predicting. The recovery process figures to be gradual and uneven. Also, don't overlook the possibility of a second large wave of infections later this year. It's all a bad report, but I'm just reading here what they're predicting, and they predict what they feel like, what they put together from all kinds of information that they glean, and what they come up with. It's a bad one. This is the... uh, the possibility of a uh, another wave of infections. A bad one would put the thawing global economy back into deep freeze. Global trade in goods would decline by as much as 20%, even more than during the Great Recession. I think the Great Recession they're referring to is what we call the depression, Great Depression back in the 30s, starting in 29, and it- You to turn in your Bibles, if you will, with me here to uh, Revelations chapter 6. Hear me all right? I feel like I'm cutting in and out. All right. Can you hear me now? Okay. I don't know. Okay. If it gets the key cutting out, Sister Barbara, give me a signal, okay? Thank you for that book that you gave me for my birthday. I appreciate that. God bless you. And all of you who gave us gifts and cards and, and uh, all kinds of things, some of them were cash gifts, some were checks, all that. Thank you so much. Some of you just sent us beautiful cards with beautiful sayings and letters and notes, and I appreciate every one of them. God bless you for it. Thank you so much. Now, I'm looking here in Revelations chapter 6. I want to remind you here that we've covered this in, in Lesson 4. And Lesson 4 was what we taught on uh, in June 14th. And I just want to uh, remind you here that we've already looked at some of these things. Let me just have you uh, review very quickly here Revelation chapter 6. And in chapter 1, it talks about the seven seals being broken. This is the, se- the book with the seven seals that Jesus took out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And so forth. Jesus Christ being as the Lamb of God, the manifestation of God as the Savior and as the sacrifice, receiving the judgment from the Almighty God, uh, as as Almighty God as creator of all things. Now let me move on here in this chapter six. He he talks about horses. And he said there was a white horse, verse two, there was a red horse in verse four he talks about a black horse in verse five and he talks about a pale horse in verse eight these are called the full horses of the apocalypse and it's pretty well known throughout all uh christendom, christendom is as a whole and especially bible scholars that these ho- that these horses here <clears throat> are symbolic of events that begin to take place on the earth after the rapture has taken place. All right? And so the white horse here represents a, a false peace that will go forth. It says here, I saw, verse 2, and I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and, and a crown. was given unto him, and he went forth conquering. But there's no arrows there. A bow, which means that it was a false peace. And, of course, this lines up with certain scriptures in the Bible. For instance, this one found over 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. So it lets us know here that these judgments are coming on the earth and that this false peace will happen immediately after the rapture. After the rapture takes place, there's going to be a peace and harmony and everything's going to be okay on this earth. Everything will look great. And people who missed it, felt like it was the end of the world, they're going to say, oh, okay. Let me just say this. If the rapture, when the rapture takes place, this church and every church in America and probably around the world is going to be full of people. Right. Trying to find God, trying to pray through, trying to seek the Lord. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just telling you what the word of God is. And you know me, I stay, I stay strictly with the word. And so the word of God is teaching us here. There's a false peace that's going to come on the earth. But immediately after that, look at verse four. And there went forth another horse that was red. And it goes on to say, and power was given unto him thereof to take peace from the earth. And that they should kill one another. And that was given unto him a great sword. A sword always represents war. And this was a great sword. There's going to be a great war that will follow shortly after the uh, tribulation period begins or after the rapture takes place. And uh, let me just say this to all of us folks. This world is poised for a great war. Honestly, you've got to know that. Just because we've seen peace and prosperity and we've seen peace among nations. It doesn't mean they don't have an arsenal of of very severe weapons in the the stockpile. Uh, They even believe, they being reports that I hear, and you probably heard saying some of the same things, and you don't know how many of them are really true or how many aren't, but there are people who swear by them that are in the know of it. And they say that the virus that we're experiencing was actually uh, is a hybrid of other viruses, it's like uh, what they call uh, uh, microengineering, in which they uh, they change the nature and so forth. It's a hybrid that was done in China in trying to develop uh, a, some kind of, of a of a bio, biological, psychological, or whatever weapon that they could use in this fashion.
1: So I don't know how
0: true all that stuff is, but I know that this, I do know this that the U.S government, Russia, and I'm sure China has the same thing has a, a mass of chemicals for chemical warfare if they ever had to use it. They don't plan to use it. They have a Geneva Conference saying, "Never use it, but they've got it just in case the other side ever starts it. And they've got the biological warfare as well, germ warfare they call it. They've got the germ warfare, this is part of that germ warfare that they were developing in China. So I have heard, I don't know. So I'm just trying to tell you here that this world is poised for a great war. But thankfulness, thank God we have not had that problem here in our lifetime. And I thank God for that. Praise God. Now, I'm going to move on here very quickly because in the eighth verse, in the the seventh verse, it talks about the fourth seal. And uh, it also says something in the, I'm going to read the verse five, verse five. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see, and behold, there was a black horse and a pair of balances in his hand. A pair of balances represents that there is a famine in the land. The food is not there. And uh, that it's going to be a very serious situation. And uh, so the famine comes. so, So there's false peace. There's a great war that's fought. And then there's a famine that will follow. I'm telling you what is going to be following the rapture in the tribulation period. Now, Jesus said, when you see all these signs that beginning to come to pass, beginning to come to pass, then look up for our redemption north nigh, your redemption north nigh, he was said, he, Jesus spoke this as your redemption north nigh. So I'm just trying to tell you here today that this is an age and time that we need to be mindful the coming of the Lord is near. Also, also we need to be mindful that in the 11th hour, there is a harvest that will go forth. Amen. The Lord is going to save a lot of people and reach out to a lot of people and use his might and he wants to use the church. So in these last days, the twofold thing, one is the coming of the Lord and the world shaping up for it so that we know it's time for the Lord to come. Praise God. Right. And the second is that the Lord wants to do a great work in these last days. Remember this parable he gave when the, they went out the, first hour, the second hour, third hour and got people that was in the marketplace that come work in our vineyard and then he went out the 11th hour, that's the last hour, said so come which means come into the church, be saved, you know, get right with God so that you can uh, receive heaven as a reward and so forth, you know I remember as a young man that my, uh, my family was in building business and there would be times they would go down to a certain place in town and there would be guys standing around uh, they say any of you guys can do uh, stucco work can you do uh, you know, plaster work And yeah this one says, so, yeah I can do that okay come on and he goes and he'd go to work and work all that day and then at the end of the day they just give him cash money and that's how they operated it was just the way they did it and I've uh, seen a lot of that done and this is what it what the Bible talks about <clears throat> let me move on here uh, and it says one thing here in this uh, sixth verse it says, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a, uh, for a penny and in three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou touch not the oil and the wine. The oil and the wine is the rich here. I'm repeating now some things I've talked about already a month ago. It says, see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. In other words, don't touch the rich yet. It's always the poor who are first affected by all these things. Don't touch the rich yet. And then it goes on to say here in uh, verse 8, I beheld, Lo, a pale horse, and, his, and he that said on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And so it goes a fourth. So one-fourth of the human race will die in this sixth chapter, one-fourth. So if there's, they say there's about seven and a half billion people. If I can round it off at eight billion, a fourth of, of, of a billion is two billion people. So by the time you get even halfway through the sixth chapter of Revelation, two billion people have died. They've died from the war. They've died from famine. Uh, they've died from. Uh, they've died from. Uh, it says the black horse that is just death that follows. What's death? I don't know, maybe it's the effects of the atom bombs or the atomic bombs that probably surely will be used, the fallout. I've read the results of Hiroshima Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, the two bombs we dropped on Japan the end of World War II in August. Uh, I've read the results of those things and those people that have survived and how they had to deal with this radiation stuff. It's very, very terrible, very pathetic, and a very horrible thing. And uh, I'm just saying here, when it talks about death, it could be a lot of that as well. You know, I'm just giving you what the Bible here says here about all of this. And a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword. Here's what it says in verse 8. Death and hell followed them, and a the power was given to them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death, whatever, however that death would come, and from the beasts of the earth. So the beasts have got to eat too, so they eat the people. And so forth. And it goes on to say, I want to jump down to verse 12 very quickly. I'm trying to get to verse 7 here. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of the heavens fell unto the earth, which is probably a meteorite barrage that comes into the atmosphere and it bombards the earth. Uh, Even as a fig tree catches her in time to fix when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And uh, it goes on to say, the heavens departed as a scroll. It means they like shooting stars in the sky. When it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, you say, Brother Myers, this is just a book of Revelation. It's a little scary and that's what it's saying. No, 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 no. This has already been spoken of in the Bible. Let me read you another place about it. I'm looking over here in Isaiah chapter 13. Look at verse 6. 6. How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. This is a prediction of the tribulation period coming. It it, it, it shall come as a mighty destruction from the Almighty. Verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it, for the stars of heaven And the constellations thereof shall not give their light, and the sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world, the world this is talking about, for their evil and the wicked, for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Verse 13, therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth, shall remove out of her place in the wrath of God of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And so it speaks about all of these kind of things. Not only is this spoken of in Isaiah chapter uh, 13, but it's also spoken of in Isaiah chapter 24. Let me read this to you. Now cease from this. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty. This is 24.1. Behold the Lord, maketh the earth empty, and make it a waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. I'm telling you what the book of Revelation says, and now I'm talking, showing you two other places in the Bible, where it also predicts it in the Old Testament that it's, coming, it's going to come to pass on the earth. You say, Brother Myers, why? Why do you do that? Because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 1 Corinthians, Second Corinthians, I think, 2 Corinthians 13.1. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This was a policy in the Old Testament. And the Lord himself, in his word, uh, establishes a truth with two or three witnesses or even more, you know, but at least two or three witnesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I show you these verses not only in the book of Revelation, but also in Isaiah. So Isaiah 24, 1, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 3, The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languish and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. Verse 5, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broken The everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant, if you want to read about that, that's in Genesis 9, 16. That's the covenant that God made with Noah and his three sons and their wives. That was the beginning of the human race after the flood took place. And God made a covenant with them. This is what that's referring to. Verse 6, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. So I'm just give, giving you a confirmation here to what all of this says here in this scripture here. So when it talks about in Revelations here, chapter verses 12, 13, and 14, the heavens departed like a scroll, and every mountains moved, and so forth. Now this is interesting. Look at verse 15. This I'm back in Revelations chapter 6, verse 15. Revelation 6:15. Everybody, still with me. All right. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks. Remember up here where it says hurt not the oil and the wine? Now the rich are being affected. Now I mentioned that to you here a month ago, but I'm just reminding you here of this. And it says every free man hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face. Excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. Now you say, Brother Myers, you said in two or three witnesses. Yeah, well, okay, let me show you one in Isaiah chapter 2. Just read a couple of verses and I'm all through with this. This is in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. Verse 11: The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the brightness of the men of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. I'm reading verse 19 of Isaiah 2. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Verse 21 to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. So I'm just giving you here a picture here and we're concluding here with this chapter six. And then in the last verse it says, for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? And of course, Uh, this is talking about the wrath of God in the tribulation period. One little last point, God has not appointed the church to his wrath. That's why we know the church has already been raptured when you read all these things in Revelation 6. For instance, I'm reading this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, remember that first one, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman and a child. And i read that verse to you. So we have not been given to the wrath of God, and God has not appointed us to the wrath of the Lord that he has appointed in all these kind of things. Praise God. Uh, I'm reading verse 9. 5-9 um, is what I meant to read there. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. This is 5-9. Uh, God bless you folks up there. I don't know how you keep up with me, but I. Uh, God bless you for it. You're you're good, you, would, you, you wouldn't be able to do that. Now, everybody ready for Chapter 7? All right, all ready? I'm going to pass out some handouts to you. they Got our handouts ready? This, uh, when you get the handout, this will say Lesson 5. And the date that you'll see up in the right-hand corner will say uh, 621, I think it is. In fact, I got a copy here. And I want you to look at this very closely here. I'll give you a moment here to look at this. This is the handout that I'm giving you for today. I felt like that I should at least bring us up to speed by talking to you about the sixth chapter, because so much happens in the sixth chapter. And a lot of this happens in the seventh chapter is a continuation of those things that happen in the sixth chapter. And uh, so we're in lesson five. I'm going to put this up here. And uh, this is a chart of the book of Revelation. This is what we're looking at here. Focus. That's the chart of the book of Revelation right there. And I have that divided into three sections, and uh, the first section is those colored stripes going up and down, they look like this. You notice that, and if you look at the bottom, it says chapters five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and 11. You see those things? And those lines going up and down, and in between tells you of all the events that's happening during those chapters, those periods of time, and uh, This is what we'll be talking about here in the beginning part of it. So we're going to be looking at chapter 7 right in here. And uh, some interesting things that will develop here. Everybody with me? All right. All right. I want you to look with me here in this uh, 7th chapter here after these things i saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea nor on any tree and i saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living god now i'm not going to take time to read all this but over in the old testament there's a place that god did this once before with israel he set a seal on certain people who were righteous god-fearing and they were good people in Israel so that whenever the judgments of God would come, it would pass over them, pass over them. And uh, so here he's saying that he's going to set a seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice of the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. He's saying, hurt not the earth nor the sea, verse 3, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, these are servants of God in the tribulation period. Now, look at the verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 140 and 4, of all the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Is that what it says? <laughs> Folks, I have showed this to more Jehovah's Witness people. And they, they said, that, "Oh, these are Jehovah Witnesses." I said, "No, it's not what the Bible says." Then they start arguing with me about my Bible. Your Bible is wrong. I know my Bible is not right. This was the King James Version was was translated by seventy of the best Greek and Hebrew scholars that England had. Whenever they translated it, the best they had. They said, "Well, ours was translated, and it doesn't say that." And I say to them, who translated your Bible? They said, it's an independent company. did." I said, who appointed your independent company to translate your Bible? I said, you know, it was a Watchtower Society. You know that. They said, oh, okay, okay. okay. I mean, you know, but they say, they say these are Jehovah's Witnesses. But I'm going to tell you here today, that's not who they are. It tells you who they are, right in the scriptures. And then it gets into more detail. Look at this. Look at this fourth verse. That's all saw the number of them that were sealed and there was sealed 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And what this is doing is sparing good people in Israel and it's the symbolic numbers I'm sure here of the people in Israel that God is not going to let judgments of this nature come upon them because they are good God fearing Jews who are still Jews. And they did not go on the rapture because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And they have not had their eyes open yet. I could take you to the 11th chapter of Romans and, and read that whole chapter to you and show you where God has not turned away his people. He's going to bring them back one day. Now, don't get caught up in trying to listen to what they have to say today because they'll get you straight away from believing in Jesus Christ. And I, I say that very sincerely because I know they're God's people From the past but there are god's people on the back burner but god's going to bring him to the front burner one day but right today he's dealing with all all denominations and all uh uh, languages of people and nationalities of people and customs of people and everything it doesn't matter who you are you can be a jew you can be uh, any any one of the gentiles doesn't matter what continent you're from it doesn't matter what color or creed you are what religion you are it doesn't matter The Lord can save anyone and will save anyone by his grace. We are saved by grace and that through faith. Faith is our response to God's grace. God's grace is Calvary. God's grace is the shedding of his blood. God's grace is the giving of his life. God's grace is sending preachers our way that they can preach the gospel to us. And, And our faith is our response to God's grace. We hear the gospel preached. I believe. Amen. And I go to the altar and I repent. We don't just, it's not just by our faith we're saved, but it is by the grace of God through our faith. Our faith is response. And the response of our grace is not just believing here, but it's the act of believing. Repentance, baptism, those are acts of believing. Those are acts of faith. I repent of my sins. You know, I, I, I get baptized in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. My sins are washed away. Uh, I ask God to receive me, give me the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For this is a promise that God's promised unto all people that will turn their. Heart. And now it's going off. Can you? You can't hear me. Can you hear me? Can you? Now, okay. All right. Thank you, Sister Barbara. So I'm I'm just trying to let you know here that uh, these are Jews that God deals with in the tribulation period to get them ready for the work that he's going to do with them when he brings them back into his favor, which happens in the 11th chapter of Revelation. I'll jump in. Now, how do you know that, Brother Myers? First of all, it says, of all the tribes the children of Israel. Look at verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. This names the tribes. Look at verse 5. Tribes of Judah were 12,000 sealed. The tribe of Reuben, there were 12 tribes of Israel there's 12 of the tribes of Israel, of the tribe of Gad it was healed. and six verses, Asher, and Naphtali, and It goes all the way down through those 12 tribes, uh, saying the same thing through verse, down through verse nine. And I'm just pointing that out to you here, so that you understand here, that God, praise the Lord, uh, is, is getting ready here to do a work with the Jews. Now I'm gonna move on here, because I know my time is getting away from me, and I, got some things I want to show you here and talk to you about, but uh, look in verse 13. Down in verse 13, one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these that are arrayed in white robes? Let me finish this. Whence cometh they? And I said, sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which have come out of great tribulation. They, this, these are in the tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped an area. Forgive, forgive me. Go back to 7 9. 7 9. This is something I want to show you here. 7 9 is right here. The second group of tribulation martyrs, I'll skip that. The first group is in chapter 6. There are some martyrs who are killed in the tribulation period for the word of God, the testimony which they hold, not the church. But these are people who uh, have a measure of Christ in them, but they have not all the truth. The Bible says that without His Spirit we are none of His. The Bible says if the Spirit of this is I'm quoting here from Romans eight, nine and eight eleven, and if if that Spirit that was in Christ well in us, it shall also quicken our mortal bodies. So we have to have the Spirit of God in us to be able to go in the rapture. Praise God, and so. If we don't have the spirit, but if we're some type of a, say, a distant Christian or something, not a, not a backslider or somebody who, uh, I think it's Jeremiah 12.5, where it said, if you cannot run with the footman, can you hear me now? You can't. Are you hearing me all right? If you cannot run with a footman, how can you contend with horses? If you cannot cross the Jordan when it is eventide, how can you cross it when it is swollen? You know? If you can't live for God today when everything is right for you, how can you live for God after the rapture takes place and during the tribulation period when you've got to lay down your life? All of these tribulation martyrs all lay down their life. There's no dead and, uh, dead and the alive in Christ, none of that, just the dead. And these are pe- people who give their life in the tribulation period. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know who they are. I'm not even going to try to identify them, I just know that God's the judge of all things. And he'll be merciful to whom he will be mercy. So I'm reading verse 9 again, 7-9. After this, and behold, a low, a great multitude, which no man can number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. Palms in their hands. Notice the palms. Now I'm jumping down to verse 13. One of the elders answered saying to me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? And I said, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white than the blood of the lamb. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Now, notice here that in this verse 15, it says they shall serve him up in verse 9. It says they had palms in their hands. These people would be servants in heaven. Servants, not the bride. This is why I'm telling you, folks, if you're in the body of Christ and you're in the church, that's the greatest reward that you could possibly be a part of. To be a part of this wonderful church of the living God. Don't let Satan trick, trick you and trip you up and cause you to lose it. And if you ever do, get back right with God. Because he's just to forgive our sins. And he can help us. And if you know people who have slipped back or gone back and they are not where they should be with God, encourage them, encourage them to get back with the Lord and find God and live right. Because this is the greatest reward that God will give. But during the tribulation period, there will be some people who'll give their life. They've got to give their life for it. And they have got to lay their life down. Got to say they have to be willing to die for the name of Jesus, the testimony which they hold. They'll say, no, I still believe in Jesus. I don't care what you say and everything they'll have to do that and then have to give their life and when they do they'll have a place in heaven but it won't be up to that that the church is the church is the bride of christ not a servant you ever everybody understand what i'm saying here so i'm just trying to encourage you here to hold fast to what you have because this is the greatest reward that god will ever give praise the Lord, the church there we go that's why we go through trials and tests and so forth and uh those things do happen. Now, I'm going to move a little bit further here. I'm going to go, uh, got a little more time. Look in, uh, let me get the page turned, my, my pages stick together sometime. All right, look in uh, chapter 8. I'm moving to chapter 8, and this is uh, on your lesson here. If you look right here, Revelation 8. And I want you to look at this verse of scripture with me here. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God and was given seven trumpets. And they're fixing to introduce the seven trumpets. The seventh, the seventh seal, seventh, T-H. The seventh seal introduces the seven trumpets, which are another series of judgments coming on the earth. And just before that happens, look at verse 3 to 6. And if you don't remember anything else I have said this morning, don't forget what I'm about to tell you here. Everybody still with me? Give me your undivided attention. Don't balance your checkbook. Don't be on your cell phone. (laughs) Just give me your undivided attention. Look at verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Uh, Let me uh, show you what this is all about. Uh, This is a picture here of the old tabernacle plan. And this is the priest... This is the sensor here, right here. Let me push it up where you can see it a little bit better. This is the sensor right here, all right. Now, this is the real thing, and it was used in the Old Testament among the Jews, both with the tabernacle and with the temple. The temple was a replacement of the old tabernacle done by Solomon, David's heart to do it, but Solomon was the one who actually did it, his son. Now, I'm going to refer you back to this in just a moment here. But I want you to look very closely here with me in this verse of scripture. He had a golden censer. And it says that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now, I am going to show this one first and then go back to that. This is uh, the tabernacle plan of the Old Testament. This is what was later developed into the temple. And uh, the reason I'm using this was because we could get up closer to it. This is a cutaway here. These are two pages put together. Isn't it? <coughs> this is a, a cutaway here of that tabernacle. Out here is a brazen altar. which represents repentance. This is the labor water. represents water baptism. These are all has spiritual significance to it. And whenever you are repentant, you're baptized, you enter into the church of the living God. This is the candlestick that had the light on it and oil in it this represents the holy spirit in the church this is a table of showbread that was replaced every day with 12 loaves of bread this represents the word of god in the church in the church and all spiritual applications there was a veil that hung across here you can't see all of it because they've got it cut away it hung all the way across this tabernacle that separated this first room from the second room this first one was twice the size of the second room this uh, this first one was 30 by 15 by 15. The second second room was 15 by 15 feet, 15 by 15 feet. They measured in other measurements, but that's what it boils down to be. And so, in here was the Ark of the Covenant, and this is the Shekinah glory that come down once a year whenever they'd offer uh, the blood of the sacrifice upon the altar seat. Now, the thing I wanna talk to you about is what stood in the holy place. This is the holy of holies, holy place, before the curtain there's an altar here it's called the golden altar this is a close-up of it that's why I'm using just this one and this is the altar of incense right here and it was on this altar incense that they would sprinkle uh, this incense on there and they would put fire from the altar that was outside from the brazen altar they'd put it there and then it would make that incense, fill that room with a fragrance that was beautiful. It was very pretty, very nice, very comforting, and so forth. They put these fire out every morning when it became daylight. They put new fresh bread here every morning, so forth. And this would fill this room here with these incense that, filled, that was in the room here. Now, it was here that God spoke to John the Baptist's father, right standing there, when he was ministering this and told him that he was going to have a son's name was john the baptist he'd be a forerunner of jesus christ so forth a lot of interesting things happen here now where this represents repentance going back to this where this represents repentance this altar where the fire was the sacrifice this altar represents consecration and personal prayers now hear me closely here folks When you get saved, you don't just repent, be baptized, and say, I'm in the church, and you don't do anything else. That's the beginning. This is where you pray and talk to God. This is where you draw close to God. This is where you say, I want to be one of God's personal people. I want to be close to you, Jesus. And if you do that, everything, God will use you. Let me just go a little bit further and say this, that it was at this altar also... Praise the Lord, that you would also take all of your problems. It's like prayers. Sometimes we have troubles and we have difficulties and we have problems in our life. Uh, and it, it talks about it. It says here that after I'm reading back here in Revelations chapter 8 and verse uh, 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar. That's that one. Which was before the throne. This is in heaven now. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints. ascended up before the throne of God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer. Filled it with fire and the, uh, of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there was voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake and the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now, what this is implying here is that the wrath of God more so is going to come on the earth because of the prayers of the saints. Let me say one thing here. The Bible said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't ever avenge yourself, leave vengeance in the hands of God. The Bible says if you have an enemy and he, somebody you don't like, pray for him. Pray for him. That's hard to do sometimes. Somebody does something you're wrong, leave it with God. And some things we pray, and we get the victory over, we just leave them in the hands of God. And I've done that more than one time. Just leave it in the hands of God. God down the road will deal with it. And if he never deals with it in this life, he'll deal with it in, 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 in the tribulation period because all the prayers of the saints, God, please help me. I don't know how I'm gonna get through Lord. Please save me. Lord, deliver me from this guy that's hurt, that's bothering me, troubling me, that, you know, stole this, took this, did that to me. And you leave it in the hands of God. One of these days, that's going to come back on this earth as a judgment of God, and it's cast upon this earth like fire. The prayers of the saints. And my time is gone, but one other little point I want to bring out here to you, and that is, uh, I don't know if I can reach it, get to it or not, but it's the one about the prayers that's found over, And I'll go to Revelation five, real quick, Revelation five, and it says this. Verse five and eight. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four elders I fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Some of your prayers are just worship. And here it was all worship in chapter five. Some of your prayers are just all worship. and you praise God, you glorify God, you thank the Lord, you lift up His name. But sometimes you own your face before God, you fall on the floor and you put your hands right on the floor and you cry a river of tears. I don't know if you've ever been there, I've been there. I know what it has been most of you that's lived for God for the length of time, you've been there. But those are prayers that you pray. Sometimes you wanna take some things in your own hand, you don't do it. You leave them in the hands of God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And you leave them in the hands of God. And if God never answered them in this life, he'll answer them here, amen, because they're set like judgment upon the earth, in the, in the face of the sinners and wicked people who have done those things to God's people all over the world has happened all over the world. So I'm just trying to say here today, this role of the church, this role of being saved is a very special role that we're in and thank God for you. I got some good things for you coming up next week. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you're here. Bring a friend. All of you who are on the internet, God bless you for it. I understand there's a good group that watches this. So we hope to be a blessing to you. Let's all stand together. Let's thank God. Let's bless him. Let's worship God for his goodness, and salvation. Praise God. Praise God. What a good audience you are. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the church. Thank you for these services. Thank you, God, for your wonderful, wonderful presence and spirit of God. Bless the services today in our speaker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.